The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 100. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Just a reminder to please share the podcast on Twitter or Facebook or your social media of preference and leave us a review because that can get us uh, seen by more people and definitely lets us know how we're doing. And we would love to hear from you and get seen and heard by more people or rather more heard than seen. But either way, (laughs) uh, it gets our show out there more if you uh, leave us a review. So please do that and share the podcast. Also, be sure to stick around for the back half of this episode as we will be talking about Star Wars A New Hope, the movie that started it all. But to start off with, today we are celebrating our 100th episode. Woohoo! Yay! Uh, such a, such an incredible milestone for all of us, and uh, it's, it's awesome to, to be here with you all. And so to celebrate our 100th episode, we are going to be celebrating you, our listeners, first and foremost. Uh, we received a number of awesome feedback, um, some in audio format, some in just written feedback, and we're going to share those, answer your questions that you have for us, and then we will conclude with talking about the movie that started it all. So it is my immense pleasure to welcome on the podcast tonight is our full crew first up we have the wandering jedi sith himself ronan or thomas anherho it's good to be here second up is our favorite uh, mudhorn from california andrew hermes What's up? I got some Jawas coming after my eggs. Uh, <laughs> careful, so I gotta be real careful. Yeah. As long as Mando's not around, you, sh- you should be okay. All right, good. Yeah. Uh, third is Old Ben, or as he also goes by, Mike Creevy. Hello there. Hey, hey. Oh, man. General, General Kenobi. Kenobi. <laughs> I like the negotiator too, but I'll stick with the negotiator. <laughs> so I feel like I should explain this before we jump to our final uh, panelist this evening. But uh, we were invited by one of our listeners who is going to be featured on our podcast that he suggested that we all have nicknames. So that's where some of these nicknames have come from. I think Mudhorn was one that he recommended. Um, but Angela Cialana, who is up next, has uh, a bit of a surprise to share with us for her uh nickname because none of us know what she's chosen so angela welcome on board oh yes i'm so glad to be here and the way that our call is set up on my screen it's like (laughs) perfect for my nickname because i have two guys on my left and two guys on my right and i'm in the middle therefore i am the bendu so if you haven't seen rebels then 
go watch Rebels uh, because this is one of the most amazing characters in Star Wars. Um, but yeah, I just feel like Bendu works for me because I'm often in the middle of a bunch of guys, like not just here on the podcast, but also in my real life um, whenever I do audiovisual work, which is part of my job. Um, it's usually just a bunch of guys <laughs> and me. Um, and But then also I just love what the Bendu stands for. Um, the Bendu is a living manifestation of the force. And um, so, yeah, I just, there's so many different <laughs> ways that I could explain this, but I'm going to leave it there. So happy to be here. Well, it is awesome to have you as a bit of a balance <laughs> to, to the four, <laughs> the four of us. <laughs> so uh, great, great choice in a nickname there. Uh, the other thought that I had going through my head right now is actually, um, the, the scene from, uh, Avengers infinity war when Spider-Man introduces himself to Dr. Strange and he's like, by our fake name. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we've got, we've got them both going on here. So, uh, this, this has been, this has been an awesome thing in coming. So before we jump into all of your listener feedback and questions, uh, there was just a little bit of news to, to mention, and um, I don't think we're going to talk about it a whole lot, but Disney Plus Day was last Friday, November 12th, and there was only two, I mean, from what I could tell, really only two Star Wars things that, that came out of that. We got an Obi-Wan Kenobi preview with a bit of concept art. Uh, which looks really interesting. It sound or it looks like there could very likely be a lightsaber duel between Kenobi and Darth Vader. So, so that's exciting. Yeah. Beyond that, uh, <laughs> there wasn't really much else to to say there. We we didn't get a trailer yet, so we're all anxiously uh, awaiting that. And then the other bit of thing, the bit of news that came out of that was that they dropped on Disney Plus uh, under the helmet, uh, the legacy of Boba Fett, a, a documentary talking about the character of Boba Fett and his and his legacy. And so it's it's really good. If you um, got 20 minutes, go to go to Disney Plus and watch that. Uh, very, very cool. And it's kind of gearing people up towards the book of Boba Fett, which is coming later this year. Yay. Yeah, uh, that's that's the <laughs> definitely the next big thing. What what I'm, I still want to know dates of releases of these next shows, and we we still haven't really mm-hmm. gotten anything. So we we sort of expect 2022 will be chocked full of them, but we're not quite sure the the timetable uh, just yet. So know that I think we will get be... to a point with Star Wars where they can they can wait and let each show kind of float itself right because everyone is looking forward to the book of boba fett so much that you don't want to you know dilute it with other stuff and so they can let Mm -hmm. this one you know raise itself and then the next one will come out and they can raise the hype about it i imagine it'll be similar to what marvel did this year with with all of their shows Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and i think that's that's probably a wise play to not make them overlap but to to space them out and yeah, ramp up the hype for each one as it comes. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so the book of Boba Fett at least will take us into, into the new year for a little bit anyway, and, and we'll, we'll see what happens after that. 
So to kick off our show, uh, we do have a couple uh, pieces of audio feedback, which are super exciting to share, and they come from dedicated listeners, and they have questions for us. So I am going to play the first one. I'm not sure if any of you have heard this yet, uh, but I've listened to all of these, so I have a bit of an unfair advantage on the questions asked. So um, uh, of course you do. So either way, here's uh, our first audio feedback from Jackie. Hey guys, this is Jackie from Las Vegas. Just wanted to say thanks for the great podcast. Uh, I love listening while I'm out on my runs, and it's nice to have a podcast that combines my favorite fandom uh, and also my faith. It's a cool combination, and I appreciate all the work you guys do to put it out there for the world. I have a couple questions. Um, The first one would be, what is your favorite scene from the theatrical releases and why? But you can only pick one. My second question is, if you could spend one hour with any character from across the Star Wars universe, including Legends, who would it be and why? And this one is specifically for Father Andrew. Uh, I know you're out there at the cons all the time and you're always wearing your your cleric slash fanboy combination and wondering if you have ever had any negative reactions or any negative feedback and how did you deal with that? I know a lot of people do appreciate and ask you a lot of questions and it's a lot of positivity but have you ever had any negative um, reactions and what did you do in response okay so that was jackie and uh thank I, you jackie. yeah yeah Thanks, great, jackie. great questions how, how long do we have on this show <laughs> <laughs> very easy out of all the theatrical <laughs> releases all right. oh my well, I figure since I've had maybe a bit more time to to think on this, I will go first. Um, and then we'll just kind of go in order uh, that I introduced you guys. So, Thomas, you're going to be up next. Yes. Andrew, and then Mike, and then Angela will, will conclude. Fine. So, Angela, you've got the most time to, to think on this. Okay. I've got my paper in front of me. I'm going to be scribbling while you're talking, but Perfect. I'm listening. Perfect. So for mine, I, I feel like, uh, this is a bit of a, um, I don't know, cliche for my favorite character, but my favorite scene in all the theatrical releases is the Django Obi-Wan fight scene on Kamino when it's raining and, uh, Django Fett is trying to, to escape. And, and we've got the, we've got the lightsaber, we've got Django and his, and his, um, rocket launcher and and just the the whole sequence captivated me when i was seeing that in theaters for the first time so and that's very much clearly why chango has always been my favorite character so that scene is my favorite out of the entire uh theatrical releases and that's all i'll say because there's others that i would love to say but only one (laughs) so so it's my turn yep all right so um the scene I have to pick is the lightsaber fight in Empire Strikes Back. Um, when you see Vader light up his lightsaber in that room and the way the fight goes. And this is the thing to me is like, I'm I'm very much a movie watcher. I love movies. I especially love it when you can get a fight scene that tells a story. And that fight scene does that. You've got Luke who's moving and trying to stay out of the way and constantly in this kind of nervous state of keeping ahead of whatever he can. And Vader is just infinitely confident incredibly overpowering and knows he's going to win there's there's no question in his mind that this is an easy fight and and it's not even that he's you know overestimating himself or underestimating luke he just knows and and it's fine and that and that's okay because he wants to talk to luke 
And that's the way, this is the way that he's going to be able to do it. And to me, that is just such an awesome piece of cinematography, first off, but the, to encompass who Vader is and also who Luke is all in that moment is fantastic. That's a good one. Can't argue with that one. I'm next, right? Yep. (laughs) Uh, For me, um, many I could pick. But I think for me, it's uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin's fight on Mustafar in episode three, because that one out of all, if we're talking theatrical and literal theater experience, that's probably the most emotional I ever was in a theater. Um, First off, I mean, after the battle, Ewan McGregor's, you know, performance, you were the chosen one, you know, like that, that just chills down my spine every time I see that scene, you know, it's, it's just getting getting to first of all for the prequels you know me growing up you know the first time i saw star wars in the theaters i think like probably for a lot of us here or a few of us here um were the prequels so it started with phantom menace and then uh obviously ended with episode three um and i remember those experiences very vividly and this scene in particular was just probably the closest i ever got to tearing up in a, in a star Wars movie, um, uh, inside of a theater. And it, it was, I mean, it's, it's, it's a beautifully, you know, shot scene. Uh, I mean, just the, the, the drop back of Mustafar is, is a great place to have a lightsaber fight. Um, and you have iconic moments and lines, you know, I have the higher, I have the high ground, uh, and you have the, the emotional aspect, and you, the, the really, pushing that PG 13 rating of, of seeing uh, Anakin just burn oh. to a crisp. Right. Uh, so it had everything going for it. It had, it had the, the awesome lightsaber fight, the emotional stuff and the, the cool, you know, CGI and, and the whole graphic nature of it. So um, yeah, that one, that one sticks out for me for sure. Well, Thomas stole mine. Uh, so. <laughs> no, I was well, so the, glad the, I was going second. Cause I was like, the, I <laughs> well, that, that one would would I would probably put that top, but maybe just behind that. What in terms of what what came when I was immediately faced with? Oh darn, what's another one? Um, kind of surprised me a little bit, but actually it is one that I, I really like. Now I want to go back and rewatch it a bunch. But namely, when uh, Luke surrenders himself uh, on Endor in Return of the Jedi, and then he's with Vader, and they have that just discussion basically before he takes him up to the Death Star. And uh, it's interesting because I'm I'm on this eschatology bent right now. Well, we all are right (laughs) with the readings (laughs) uh, at the end of the uh, liturgical year. But uh, uh, that's a course I I teach uh, pretty regularly as well. And and I'm always profoundly fascinated going deeper into it. And, uh, you know, because, I mean, you could make an argument that that's really the point of all of it. Like, where's everything headed? And what I love is, you know, I, I always try to emphasize when I'm teaching that that, you know, the two extremes you always want to avoid are presumption and despair, you know, and how, how much danger you get into if you presume that you've just got a clear shot ticket right into heaven and everything will be just fine, you know, and like, well, you know, I'll just kind of work out like, well, Jesus warns us about that, you know, the kind of presumption, but also the despair that there's, you know, I'm, it's too late for me, son, you know, that kind of, and it, what's so beautiful, I think about that scene is, um, it wasn't I think it's right before that when Luke's talking to Leia, at least when I'm a kid watching this, I remember thinking, I don't think you really get a suggestion that Vader can possibly come back until that moment. 
when mm-hmm. Luke specifically says to Leia, like the, there's still good in him. And you're like, really? You know, it's kind of like, oh, wouldn't that be interesting? And I, I just love that's like that next step is that next scene, though, where they show Vader thinking about it, you know, um, consequently, unless I'm mistaken, I think it's the only time we've seen Vader on screen with a different color lightsaber than his red, mm-hmm. than a red one, except when he had the blue one in in uh, um, Clone Wars, right? Season seven, you know, picking Ahsoka's old one up. Um, but that I always thought that was kind of cool. And just that that here's this guy who's been so scary this whole time and he still is. But we're getting this little hint of like a possible redemption arc and like Luke has faith. But there's there's also this like, what's he what's he going to do? Like, so we don't really fully assume or presume that Vader is going to be redeemed but you know you don't despair of it now maybe either so i don't know i think that's just those themes for for me as a catholic are are particularly uh, interesting so that's one i like and i'm gonna bring some balance to this conversation (laughs) and pick a sequel um scene (laughs) sequel era um so i'm gonna choose when yoda appears as a force ghost to luke um, because of the relatability of it for me, I tend to be somebody who is very much like Luke and is looking anywhere that's not in the present. And so I really um, related to the, the the lessons that Yoda gave to Luke in that moment and also just kind of how it combines the wisdom of all of the the eras, you know, the original, the prequel and the sequel um, and just delighted us all i know um when when yoda appeared um Mm. so yeah that's that's what i'll pick so jackie's second question was uh basically from any character legends or canon who would you spend an hour with so for me um angela actually this kind of just falls right from you is i would spend an hour with yoda and the reason that i would do that or i would want to is because i I feel like often, well, I actually, I think I relate to Luke a lot too, is that like often I'm, I'm not, um, maybe as balanced as I should be, or I'm worried about things or I can't figure out things, or I'm even, um, thinking about Obi-Wan in episode two, where he's puzzled by this missing planet and Yoda just like has the right way to, to guide and to teach (laughs) that doesn't like tell Obi-Wan Kenobi that, that he's stupid like okay obviously it's been erased from the the archives you know but he guides Obi-Wan to that conclusion um and then of course he he trains Luke and um I don't know if I really want to have him riding on my back and jump through the forest but <laughs> but to learn from his wisdom I think would be would be very very uh good uh for me to just kind of sit as sit at his feet as a as a learner um and him as the the master would be would be my my pick all right see so now i'm gonna go the complete opposite direction of that because uh it's only an hour uh i would not choose this person other than the fact that it's only an hour but han solo gets my vote all the way because that would be the most fun hands down it's fair my answer man Uh, um so now i gotta think of another one um oof uh, I would say on the spot, um, I would probably spend an hour with Ahsoka. Um, That's a good one. I think kind of, kind of the same thing along the lines of Yoda. I think there's a lot of wisdom there. And I think with her, um, 
Well, for one, I would be able to understand her and not try to figure out what Yoda's saying with the, the his twisted <laughs> way of speaking English. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I think I think she, uh, she's one of the more human characters mm-hmm. uh, in Star Wars. So I think it would be at least a relatable sort of exchange, you know, between a character that I really admire um and getting to know i mean there's still so much we don't know about her character and all those all those gaps you know in between uh what we've seen in rebels and clone wars and and now mandalorian and her upcoming show so i would just ask her like okay what's up like (laughs) what's been going on like uh what's your deal um and uh so i think i would be uh, fascinated by a lot of what she she would have to say um and uh, cl- clearly, just from her episode of Mandalorian, um, uh, just the stuff she had to say in that episode was was really um, compelling and and really hyped up. Uh, you know, the show that we're gonna get c- coming coming out next year. So, so yeah, if, if I can't have Han Solo, yeah. I think Ahsoka would be would be just <laughs> as great. <laughs> well. <laughs> Probably no surprise to most of you guys, at least to father, maybe on this particular one. But Grand Admiral Mithron Yorodo, I think <laughs> this 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 uh, an hour with Admiral Thrawn. Uh, maybe I think I think where it is might sort of characterize that too setting and everything. I just feel like there's like a, a an amazing potential dose of of like sheer terror and fascination and creepiness and just a very yeah, you know, like the same reason you'd like watch a scary movie or go on a roller coaster, <laughs> you know, like, a, you know, I have a, a, a dose of, uh, of this. So, um, but I, I just feel like his character is so intriguing and so complex, you know, and, and, uh, just to be able to kind of, I, I enjoy long, deep conversations and I feel like I would probably have a very uh, enlightening one with, uh, with him. So. Not saying I would agree with his technique or any of that stuff. I'm just I'd like to I'd like to hear him out a little bit. You know, go a little deeper than a than an episode. Bring so. a chessboard and teach him chess. That would be yeah. Ooh. Oh man, <laughs> he'd be beating me halfway through. I was like, I see how this works now. Like, I see it. I, I saw your sketch you drew earlier. I know your whole like tactical. Like, oh man, so <laughs> that's mine. Yeah, and I I gotta be honest and say Ahsoka also, but uh, my reasonings would be um, I see her as a character who has overcome a lot of obstacles. She has an incredible amount of resilience, and I very much admire that quality. Um, so I would, yeah, I'd, I think just enjoy sitting down with her because let's not forget she was the Padawan of Anakin Skywalker. Um, mm. So she, you know, she's she's got some fun and some humor in her too, but. Um, but just to kind of, you know, yeah, learn where she's been and and to learn a little bit more if she could hand on some of that wisdom about being more resilient in life. Those are all good picks. Um, and then the, the final question from Jackie was for me. And if I get any negative reactions at cons for for wearing uh, I wear I wear my clerics and then I wear I theme my T-shirts based on who I'm going to meet. So I have been teased about how many different t-shirts I have because I have I mean, pretty much any any fandom if I know I'm going to meet someone whether it's Star Wars or uh, you know Marvel or DC or whoever um, I've got a t-shirt to go with it. And uh, the long and the short of it is that I've never directly experienced anything negative. I have had um, many people I assume just kind of maybe not engage me 
and I, and I, so there, there might be people there that, that definitely would have a negative opinion of, of a priest being at a con. Um, but thankfully none of them have ever directly confronted me on it. I have had plenty of people who were more sort of neutral in their opinions. And, um, I mean, have, I've gotten comments often, it'll be something along the lines of, you know, you can't get married, right? And so then that's what they want to talk about. And okay. So it, Whoa, it, it's newsflash. Right. Well, and, and it's and something. It, it becomes a, a really uh, cool, you know, evangelical or uh, evangelizing moment um, where I can, I can t- kind of talk about that and my, my call to, to the priesthood and celibacy and, and all of that. And um, most of them, I'm sure just kind of, they probably I don't I don't really know what they're thinking whether it's positive or negative but they 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 tend to want to to hear my side of it and and take it as it is. Um, I have met um, many people though who um, are are like are <laughs> they're they're parishioners uh, not my parishioners but they're like parishioners from the local parishes that are there that are like super stoked to see a Catholic priest at a con and are very, very excited and, and will come up and, and, uh, interact with me. And, um, in fact, there was a, there's a priest, uh, that I met at a con and he was not wearing his clerics because he was not quite sure of the reception he might get. And he was very impressed with my, uh, courage to, to wear the clerics. And, and so I shared with him the experience that I had, and I, I hope that, that maybe I inspired him to do the same because it is a, a visible witness, um, both mm-hmm. on the sense of being religious and being a Catholic priest, but also, I mean, then I throw on a, a star Wars t-shirt and, you know, so it like, takes away some barriers between people and they, um, you know, find me relatable and I'm not just this thing that they might hear about on the news, but I'm a person too. So it's, it, I found it more, uh, to be engaging in that way. And it's been, uh, really, really fun to do. And, um, even the celebrities, I've never had a bad reaction. Um, I often get a, (laughs) I grew up Catholic and then, that kind of conversation which is hard to engage in because it's like well why aren't you still and you know we'd love to have you come back to mass but convention is not the time to have that kind of conversation uh but then there are other celebrities who are practicing catholics and i've met some of them as well um and uh Carrie Elwes is is the one that comes to mind immediately. So he, if if you aren't aware of who he is, he plays um, Wesley on uh, The Princess Bride. He is um, and, and, and Pope John Paul. <laughs> yeah, he's Pope um, Pope John Paul II. Um, he's Robin Hood in in Mel Brooks's Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> um, but interacting with him as a, as a priest was really cool because the first thing that he did when he saw me in my clerics was he went and he wrote down on a sticky note, a few names and he handed it to me and said, these people are, um, I, I forget exactly what it was, some sort of sickness, cancer. And he wanted me to pray for, for these people that he oh, knew. Oh wow! And so oh, it was just awesome. weird. It was cool. Weird to, to have the kind of the, the situation flipped where, he wanted to approach me with that rather than me saying, Hey, would you sign this picture of, of you? That's as, so you know. cool. So, um, so yeah, so I've, I, I love to do that. It's, it's really cool. And hopefully I don't ever have a real negative experience, but I've had a really large number of positive experiences. So 
Father, you're a different kind of famous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Your your boss, your boss is a real big deal. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's awesome. That's so wonderful to hear that. Oh. So so yeah, so hopefully uh well, I am hoping to go to Star Wars Celebration. So um Andrew, I think you might be going as well. That's so, the plan. So maybe <laughs> cool. we'll do a maybe we'll do a little a little secret to Star Wars meetup and uh have some fun things to share about Star Wars Celebration in May. That'd be great. Sweet. Okay, on to our second bit of audio feedback. This one is from Sean Heller. Hey friends, this is Sean Heller. My question for you, who is your favorite character from the current canon of Star Wars and why? Also, if you'd like, who is your favorite character from the Legends universe and why? Congrats on 100 episodes. Here's to many more. What I've enjoyed the most from your show has been your coverage of The Mandalorian. Listening to you... Talk about the, sh the different episodes after I've watched them. Help me glean more insights into things I might have missed, story arcs, and everything else. Again, congrats on the 100, and here's to many more. Awesome. So I'll take this one away first. Um, I'm going to answer both questions. He sort of kind of linked them together if you wanted to, but I want to say two different characters. So my uh, favorite character from the current canon would be Grand Admiral Thrawn. And definitely because of his Sherlock Holmes kind of mind. And I mean, he's, he's been a fan of mine ever since I read uh, Heir to the Empire uh, decades ago when, when Timothy Zahn wrote that. So definitely for the current canon, Grand Admiral Thrawn is my, my absolute favorite. And then, uh, I shouldn't say absolute favorite. I think there's another one that might be an absolute favorite. But... Uh, <laughs> From Legends, uh, Jason Solo is going to be my my pick for that. So he is, um, if you're unaware of the Legends, um, he is the son of Han and Leia Solo. Um, again, not current, le not current canon, but but Legends. And the reason that I I really like Jason Solo is because I was reading the novels as he was coming of age when I was coming of age. So I mm. I very much related to his character, except for the fact that he. Uh, becomes a Sith Lord and <laughs> goes down the dark side and um, all of that. So, but it was, it was heartbreaking as a, as a teenager to kind of go, go on that journey with him. Um, but he's, he's always been uh, my, my favorite and, and the novels all kind of actually kind of keyed in on, on various aspects of, of what he did and why. And um, I, I really appreciated that. So those are, those are my two picks for, for that. All right. So I'm up next. Um, my two picks are actually the same guy. Uh, I, I really like the like stand-ins for us uh, in stories like this. And so Wedge Antilles is my absolute number one go-to. And I love the Rogue Squadron books. Uh, read them all when I was growing up. And uh, the character of Wedge just being that, you know, guy that's just caught up in this whole crazy mess and not really part of the Skywalker saga, but always there with skywalker somehow right <laughs> uh is I, I really like that character and the way he fits into everything um yeah for me i think well one yeah i think thrawn is the only answer for me uh <laughs> uh and uh if i guess as far as legends goes i mean i didn't i, didn't, I haven't read too many of the novels but if uh if you're gonna say i'll say i'll say jana solo 
I'll go with the other. She's fantastic. <laughs> with, the, with the two other twin. Uh, she she's an awesome character. I mean, she obviously had like a a long, hard road uh, throughout her Jedi journey, um, and you know, having to battle her own brother uh, mm-hmm. uh, had to. You know, you can only imagine. So I, she was she's a really cool character um, that that stood out for me. Um, but yeah, Thrawn Thrawn is the man. Uh, and I can't wait to see a live action version of him. Um, <laughs> Fingers crossed. So, yeah, that, yeah, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll go with those two. I think, you know, he, a character who I, he didn't really get, I think, a, a enough screen time, but uh, TK421, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, like, I, I think there's a t shirt that needs to be made there. No, but, um, and I've, I've talked about this before on the show, but, but uh, I've just always loved Obi-Wan. I'm sitting here. The guys are laughing a little bit because they saw me earlier. I'm holding my my replica lightsaber <laughs> here. You know, so my what when it came time for me to actually drop a, 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 a way more money originally than I was comfortable with on, on a, like a really nice prop or replica. That's the one I went with. I just I always liked his character. It's really grown with time. And um, I always really respected you uh, and McGregor, you know, from I mean, because he was practically a kid when he did episode you know one and uh i just i always thought his ability because i mean we've all seen him as obi-wan i mean we've heard james arnold taylor i guess as obi-wan more than we've seen or heard anyone else as obi-wan so don't want to rule him out but um to to see uh you and take on that role and pay such i think tremendous homage to sir alec guinness without just like mimicking Mm -hmm. him somehow I still don't know how he pulls that off, you know. And so I was, of course, so delighted when even there were rumors about, you know, a, a Kenobi follow up. So I'm thrilled across the board for that. But I just I, I like the original Obi-Wan, you know, uh, a new hope Obi-Wan, this. This this archety- archetypical kind of like kind of a wizard, there's definitely hat tips sometimes to Gandalf in there a little bit. There's, you know, this this wise sage, but who also has sorrow and mistakes and and you know he's not perfect but he's he's a, a man of integrity you know and i really think that that shines through with ewan's performance of being surrounded by so many compromised jedi you know in some cases he makes a lot of like i said mistakes but you know he he's true you know and i just i think there's i just think it's a good you know character for a lot of different reasons a good good example you know so uh so that's yeah i'd say him and then legends honestly it's tricky because technically he's canon, but um, the Legends exploration of Darth Plagueis mm-hmm. just I found utterly fascinating. And I, one of my biggest disappointments about certain things with some of the canon is that they haven't they've just left that out there with like with no follow up, no, you know, official sort of pursuing of, of, of all that could be there, you know. And if anyone hasn't read. Um, oh, what's what's the author's name? I almost said. I almost said Max Lucado or Max Lucado. It's, it's not him. James, it's, um, James Luceno. James, James wow, Luceno. what a that would be. I know. Yeah, that, that would be fascinating. No, um, <laughs> was it James' father? What was it again? James, James Luceno? Luceno? Luceno, Luceno yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, his, his uh, uh, Darth Plagueis book. And unless I'm mistaken, I want to say that was, I think that was written or released or being written right around the time of the Disney acquisition. And there were, I think I heard there were early on, like there was a lot of, of, potential you know canon or stuff they had hoped would become canon that didn't or you know so my understanding is there's a lot of stuff in that that novel that's you know 
I, I read it almost as sort of my own head canon because I really mm. think it makes a lot of sense. And so that's that's a really interesting character, I think. Yeah, and I have to go with Obi Wan all around as well. Um, and my why is uh, the, you know, the Myers Briggs personality tests. People have their positives and negatives about it, but I've always um, tested as INFJ on that, and um, typically that uh, personality type is known for kind of being that sort of like um, peacemaker wise sage kind of uh, personality and i always resonate with those sage type of characters in in movies and books um and obi-wan to me is the the wise old wizard that we meet in a new hope and he's also you know in the prequels the guy that you know you can have a drink with um and so i just love the different dimensions of his character and um just how he inspires me awesome thanks sean for those uh for those questions and next up is going to be uh through email and this is coming from abraham and I'm going to apologize right off the bat. He wrote stuff in in um, the the language of the Mandalorians, and I have no clue how to pronounce this. So here goes my, <laughs> my best guess on some of this. Um, Sue Kayagar, greetings in Mandoa. And hello there. This is Abe. I am 13 years old, and I really enjoy your podcast. I have some questions for your 100th episode, as well as to wish you congratulations on the podcast so far. So side note, he's got a number of questions and I will just give them one at a time and then we can answer them rather than reading all the questions first. So his first question for us is, if any of you have ever played a Star Wars RPG, what sort of character have you played and what sort of story did you play? So I would say even if you haven't played an RPG, this could be uh, what kind of a character would you like to be in the the Star Wars uh, universe? Um and uh, I'll go first, as as is uh, custom for this episode. And um, I have done a little bit of Knights of the, or the Old Republic, Star Wars: The Old Republic, um, but not a whole lot. And um, definitely, the the role that I chose was, um, or I'm thinking of Knights of the Old Republic. Um, and I chose uh, initially, I chose a soldier, but then a a, a Jedi. And I forget even which one Jedi guardian or I forget there's other there's there's classes of Jedi that you can be. But I think I was kind of the one that was in the balance between the um, all not all offensive, but also not all just kind of force using. I was kind of the one that was balanced in between. So I'm forgetting exactly the name of that, but definitely a Jedi. Yes, I have. (laughs) Yes, I have. I have run them. I have played them. I have. I was uh, going to say that's yes, <laughs> duh. From yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's I. Uh, I started with the West End Games uh, version back when it first came out, uh, and it was. Uh, I, I bought the book while I was at Disney, so we were visiting Disney, and I went into the store, and they had the book, and it was like the first release of it, and I was like, oh well, yeah, that's going in my pocket. So here we go. <laughs> um, and uh, I played the heck out of that game. And then when the D20 system came out, I've played that one a couple of times. Um, I normally tend off of the Jedis just because uh, you get sucked up in the the uh, galaxy quest 
version of things where it's you know like oh got to go do the light side versus the dark side and it's the, so what we'll end up doing is running smugglers and uh that's that's how that's how we roll <laughs> uh smugglers and bounty hunters those were the big things that we did a lot of uh and i, w- I will say that as as far as rpgs go star wars is hard because uh there's no limit to what where you can go and what you can do mm-hmm. especially as the the game masters so when you're sitting on the other side of the table trying to tell a story and the guys you're telling the story for just want to go travel the galaxy is like i wasn't ready for this um <laughs> uh, no <laughs> no you cannot do that <laughs> i don't know why but you just can't <laughs> um yeah i mean the again for me i played like knights of the old republic mm-hmm. um on xbox uh so that's probably the closest i've done i've gone to an rpg so i mean and the coolest character in that game is is Darth Ravon. Uh, I mean, he, uh, the twist with his character, I mean, he's, he's like a play, he's a secret playable character. Um, and he's a Sith Lord, but the twist is that he's fallen to the light side. Um, but if you play him, you could depends on how you obviously, play the game, yeah. depending on how you play, can fall back to the dark side. <laughs> um, so he's, he's just the coolest character. He looks cool. He has a cool, uh, uh, story, a lot of depth, uh, to his character, um, for a video game character uh and um so yeah i would definitely choose him absolute best droid in star wars in that oh yes yes (laughs) meat bags (laughs) (laughs) i i never got into uh knights of the old republic too much i i was always interested but something was going on i forget what at the time where i just i missed the sort of like entry into it My, my brother was playing it a lot and uh he famously got to the end like the final battle and uh, like the Xbox glitched or the disc glitched oh, oh, right, no. right oh. before or it was, it was just after like the last save point. And so he it was like, I'll never forget. It, it was like a, it was like a week until he got over it. Like he was just oh, like, that's traumatizing. That's horrible. I, like he's like walking around. But for me, um, I, I really enjoyed the um, I, don't, I don't know if I guess it would maybe fall in an RPG just because you could, you know, make all sorts of decisions and stuff within within the, the scope of it but the uh uh jedi knight 2 jedi academy game mm, on yeah. uh, xbox which was a lot of fun and um i whatever reason nine times out of ten i really preferred to be um what's uh what's plo Koon's race uh keldor i think yep. mm-hmm. you yep. could pick one of, so i i picked just because they had a lot of cool different like like uh the the mask features and stuff you could change and stuff and it was just it was fun to customize that and everything but yeah i usually played as Usually played as him nine times out of ten. Um, well, I'd say no, about sixty percent of the time when I could choose, I chose blue lightsabers. Uh, but the other forty percent was green. Sometimes I dabbled in purple, but it just didn't feel right, you know. But uh, <laughs> it was fun. Like you could pick the, you know, your and that was like I think that was like the first game where you could really get that much. Now, for, you know, any kids listening now, they're like, well, you can do all this stuff anyway with like millions of other <laughs> games or whatever. And I'm like, well, it was a big deal when you're like, wait, I can pick if I want a single blade, two mm. lightsabers or a bow staff lightsaber. It was like just ridiculous. And so that was a lot of fun. That was the one I really enjoyed. Yeah, I haven't gotten into RPGs either, but um, I don't know if it's possible to play the cantina owner, but I would love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, man. so what I'm hearing here is that I need to run a game for you guys, and <laughs> that needs to be a podcast at some point, right? Oh, that would be that awesome. Would be That'd be fun. great. That'd be cool. All right, I'm in. <laughs> Stay tuned for our special next year. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, uh, next question from Abraham is: What non-canon material, and he's saying uh, Star Wars Visions or Legends, 
do each of you hope is someday brought into canon? So for me, this is a hard question to answer and a bit unfair because the the stuff that I would like to be brought into canon can't be brought into canon because it directly hmm. conflicts with the, mm-hmm. the sequel trilogy. Um, my absolute favorite Legends material is everything post Return of the Jedi. Um, because mm-hmm. that's what I grew up with. That's what I read. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the, the new Jedi order, the 19 book series, which was like astro- astronomical and trying to read all 19 books was amazing. I loved it. I know some people didn't really care for it, but I loved it. And then the, the sequel or the, the series that came after it, legacy, of the force and face fate of the Jedi, um, loved, loved, loved those books. In fact, I am rereading fate of the Jedi right now as an audiobook. So anytime that I travel, it's just constantly playing on, on the road and I love those so much, but they, they absolutely can't be brought into Canon because <laughs> the sequel trilogy is, is clearly, um, <laughs> drawing inspiration from some of it, but very clearly overriding it. So, mm-hmm. um, that's my wish, but not going to happen. Wish. Um, I would like to see the Man- Mandalorian Jedi War. Uh, that would be mm. just absolutely hands down my favorite piece of external lore that I want to see on screen. Since you bring up Star Wars Visions, uh, I would love to see the Ninth Jedi uh, mm. become canon, uh, or at the very least, see more of that story. Um, I think Kara's character is for a, for a twenty minute you know, anime episode of Star Wars was, was some of the best Star Wars uh, material I've seen uh, in recent memory. Um, and, you know, I, Angela and I talked about it on, on the episode where we covered it. Um, but, but yeah, they, they just, they just totally set up uh, a world, you know, where they could easily explore it. And, and, you know, the stuff with like the lightsaber, you know, kind of like the color changing, depending on like, where you are, uh, you know, uh, relative to the force, uh, on the light side or the dark side and has to do with your, you know, how strong you are and your, and your personality and stuff like that. I, you know, that stuff's obviously not canon, but I think that would be a cool thing to bring into the star Wars universe to, to add a little more. Cause I think we take lightsabers for granted, you know, there, there's, there's not a lot of, uh talk about like at least in the in the films and and in the live action shows about like what 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 is the backstory of a lightsaber and what's 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 so important about them so i think that that would add like another layer to them um and uh and yeah it was my favorite episode out of the whole visions uh series um and and i think that it would be cool to explore that world a little more um whether it's live action or, or continue to do an, an animation. But um, yeah, I just enjoyed it so much. And I think it would be a really cool addition to, uh, to the canon. I th- uh, I'll just go with Darth Plagueis, honestly, because I, I convinced myself earlier with <laughs> what I said. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I made myself upset remembering that that's not canon. But yeah, no, I think that would be I, I think you could potentially find ways to connect it to where they have gone with you know, all all the, the Snoke stuff and all these these controversies over like, you know, canon stuff that shows up in a in a photo caption in an art book where it's like, yeah. OK, but like, let's let's get it in a movie. You know what I mean? Like, that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like so I, I just think there's some loose ends you could potentially tie up 
you know, uh, that that would connect, you know, and help give some more coherence um, to all three trilogies, you know, and, and uh, even, you know, uh, this this desire to hit this high Repu- uh, Republic era, you know, you're, I guess. I don't know if you're technically at the very tail end of High Republic, you know, or what what you're calling that period in just the decades leading up to episode one, you know, but uh, yeah, I just, I feel like it's a, it's a puzzle piece that they'd really be missing out on, on an opportunity, you know, to, to uh, explore if they, I mean, if they can explore that. So just a thought. I would go with the ninth Jedi also. um, And I would love to see Margrave Juro as, like a former pupil of Ray um, and kind of tying it in that way. Mm-hmm. Cause I think they could do that. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Uh, next up from Abraham is uh, which previously animated character do you each hope to see live action someday? So for me, my pick here is going to be tech from the bad batch. And it sort of follows then that the entire Bad Batch would be looped into that. But Tech is my is my favorite of the Bad Batchers. And uh, so I would love to see Tech and his armor done um, in live action. There's there's a number of cosplayers out there. And, and in fact, one of them I've I've interacted with on Instagram and they're what the cosplayers can do with it is phenomenal. So I'd love to see that done uh, in a TV show or a movie someday. I'm looking forward to seeing Ezra Bridger. Uh, as a live action, that's a that's one I'm really excited about. Yeah, Thrawn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next, <laughs> I'll go with I'll go with Hera. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, because we got close with some of the the squadrons footage, you know, and mm-hmm. stuff yep. too. So yeah. Hi, yeah, Vanessa, you t- if you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, hi. Yeah, you totally stole my answer. I was going to oh, say yeah, Hera also. Um, I think she just, she really has earned a place, if you can mm. earn a place in live action. But mm. anyway, yeah. There's there's always hope. Uh, next question from Abraham is, if you were a Mandalorian, what would your armor look like? And so uh, what I've always kind of envisioned this uh, someday, I would like to do this, but I've um, in fact was trying to, 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 to design uh, what colors I would put on a, on a helmet. And I was at least personally going to go with uh, the, the clerical garb that I usually wear. So kind of go with black and white. Um, but I also really like uh, dark purple. And, um, so it's, uh, in my mind, I'm sort of equating it to the liturgical color of Advent and Lent, but throwing it in there, I, I, I kind of like those, those colors mixed together. So, um, maybe someday it'll, it'll happen, but that's nice. <laughs> my thought. Oh man, that's, that's tough. Um, purple and orange and teal. Those are my three favorite colors and they look, they happen to look really great together. Mm-hmm. So that would be some mixture of those things. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of probably it would probably look a lot like uh mando's armor but uh because i like a lot of dark gray um but i would put flashes of green because that's my favorite color um and yeah i think i would i i really dig like his crest but i would probably i would try to put as many crests on my armor as possible (laughs) (laughs) um so i would just kind of be like a tatted out version of Mandalorian. Maui <laughs> <laughs> uh, storyline of your uh, yeah, existence exactly, going yeah. on there. <laughs> Get some, you know, some tribal like cr- tattoo looking stuff going on. Uh, 
some ancient uh well for me personally it would probably be a lot of like aramaic biblical stuff nice uh mm-hmm. yeah um <laughs> etched etched in there but yeah i would definitely i would definitely want to spice it up with stuff like that so um and i yeah i would i would have like the sickest cape um <laughs> yes yeah, no just... capes. No capes. <laughs> capes are bad. Uh, my jetpack would probably ruin the cape within a day. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, at least at least for a day, I'd have a cape. Well, I'm no Gar Saxon fan, but I I loved the uh, the the sort of like Darth is is Maulian a word mm-hmm. like an adjective like the <laughs> sure it is, the now. it is now <laughs> the the M A U L mollification very different kind of word of uh, the the Mandalorian outfits uh, in that uh, that sort of uh, c- dramatic conclusion of season seven of of uh, Clone Wars that was with the horns and stuff on around the top which was kind of cool the uh, that was just kind of a neat look but I'd probably go the color scheme would probably be I'd be sort of close to you there Father just a lot you know, black and white and red I always mm. liked the Catholic University was my undergrad i always like their colors i don't know i think it i think it's i think it's sharp <laughs> yeah so i originally when you asked this question i thought of Casca reeves um sasha banks's mm. character from the mandalorian who's basically just like blue a whole bunch of blue but um now that you guys are talking about like how it would connect to your personalities like just the way that i dress i it would probably be more like sabine Um, Just like a whole lot of like bright colors and (laughs) random art and stuff. Um, And I'd probably like draw some angel wings on the back of my shoulder plates because my name's Angela. So that's awesome. Okay. uh, next up is uh, another question from Abraham. He's asking out of curiosity, what is the names of the churches that we are all parishioners at? Um, Mm -hmm. And so I am pastor at St. Lawrence O'Toole. And funny enough, today is St. Lawrence O'Toole's feast day, which meant that actually, since he's patron of my parish, that today we did not celebrate the 33rd Sunday of Ordinary Time, but we celebrated the solemnity of St. Lawrence O'Toole. So that was, that was something really cool to, to be able to do in my parish. And I, uh, it's, yeah, not often that you kind of can see that happen, but, um, it does happen. So I'm a parishioner at Nativity. Uh, I am a Chaldean Rite Catholic uh, and a subdeacon at my parish, and it's at St. Peter's uh, Chaldean Catholic Cathedral. Uh, it's the cathedral for our diocese uh, in the West. So the Chaldean Rite, we have two dioceses in, in the States, uh, a Western diocese and an Eastern one. Um, and yeah, our cathedral is right here in uh, in San Diego. Um, and yeah, it's the parish I grew up in. If you don't know what a chaldean is or the chaldean right um uh basically we were one of the more most ancient churches uh we it dates back to uh the apostolic age and with saint thomas uh and uh we're we're christians from iraq basically uh modern day iraq so we come from mesopotamia and our people date back all the way to the babylonian age uh to the cradle of civilization so um yeah, it's a cool uh, uh, right and ethnicity to be a part of. Uh, being Chaldean is not only, uh, I guess, an identity for my ethnicity, but also for my faith. So it's pretty cool. Um, so if you didn't know that about me, now you do. That's a great Andrew, flex. by the way, I, oh, well, I, I, was, I was just going to say it's interesting because Abraham, who's asking this question, 
uh, is that his namesake or, or was, the was right yeah. <laughs> from from the same neck of the woods. So that's kind of absolutely. Cool. Um, uh, nice my, my home, yeah, my home parish is uh, Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton uh, uh, Church. Uh, we're not too far from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. It's uh, one of uh, the first churches. I'm not. I always forget. Like you know, everyone's very careful with these records. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm hesitating to say if it's the first church, but it was definitely one of the first churches uh, in the in the U.S. or in the world uh, named after uh, Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton. There's a special uh, connection to her because where I'm from is is just about 45 minutes away from Emmitsburg, which is where she was, um, where she. Um, uh, basically in large part helped to kind of kick off Catholic education in our, in our nation. And so I've always felt a very close uh, affinity to her and, and growing up in this, this area. And then as a teacher, um, I have a statue of her on my desk that uh, the members of the, uh, the parish gave to me. I, I used to work at the same parish I, I go to now. So I've, I've had this lifelong, you know, I keep bumping into, you know, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton pretty much everywhere I go. Um, and I actually spent a year at Mount St. Mary's in the seminary um right there as well in emmitsburg so uh yeah mother seaton's always watching over me uh, i think her feast day is actually the day before my birthday too so nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm close to elizabeth ann seaton in a lot of ways so happy to be a parishioner there speaking of mothers um my mother trumps all of your saints because <laughs> uh, <laughs> my parish is mary mother of the church mm. there you go awesome <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's not a competition. But. <laughs> <laughs> We're fans. Uh, to wrap up Abraham's uh, email, he was the one who suggested that we all had nicknames. In fact, he uh, oh. <laughs> suggested that Thomas be called Ronan and Andrew be Mudhorn. Nice. So Ex excellent suggestion. Yeah, so, thanks for that. Love yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, and then he said, "Random side note: the priest at my parish is also called Father Andrew." So uh, that is awesome. Oh, wow. So good, good name. Uh, <laughs> And then all the best, and remember, this is the way. <laughs> this, this is the is way. The way. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, next up we have Chris uh, through email, and his question is, did y'all know each other outside of the podcast before starting the podcast? If yes, then how did y'all come up with the idea for the podcast, and how did it become a reality? If no, then who had the idea to make this podcast, and how did you find and recruit the others to join? So, uh, to answer this question, uh, it's really it's kind, kind of a complicated answer, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> you know, none of us knew each other before the podcast. Yeah, well, right. actually, I knew Thomas actually, before. Yeah. Oh, and I guess, before. Thomas, you and I sort of, we were on Secrets of Tech a couple times mm -hmm. before okay. I took yeah. over. So I was on uh, I was on Secrets of uh, Godfather with Andrew, I think, before we were on here and then with Angela and John Williams, you know, but but through SQPN, uh, I, I didn't yeah. know anyone except through there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to, to kind of just give an overview here, uh, the podcast, uh, the Secret to Star Wars podcast was actually started by Dom and Father Roderick. So mm -hmm. um, I forget. Uh, exactly when that happened, but they were the ones who started it. So we are sort of just the current stewards of this of this podcast, which mm -hmm. is really, really fun for, for us to be able to do. And um, the group of us, we all connected because we were involved with SQPN in different uh, different formats or different other podcasts. Um, none of us have ever met in person. Um, because Thomas we were and I Angela and I person. have. Oh, okay. <laughs> we actually did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, we met we met at uh, nice. at, at one of the. Uh, 
Catholic uh, social media uh, conferences. Oh, and that's, okay. that's kind of how I got media. roped into the whole SQPN <laughs> thing. Awesome. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Well, that is news to me. So that's awesome. I didn't actually know that um, <laughs> because it's funny because we are we are literally all over the country because uh, Mike's yeah. in Pennsylvania, Angela's in Texas, <laughs> uh, Andrew's in California, Thomas is in Florida, and I'm in Wyoming. So like we are, we need someone from Alaska. Yeah, yeah, the morning out there. No. So um, yeah, and and the reason at least that we took over the podcast was. Uh, we, we took over when the Mandalorian and Disney plus first kicked off. So Dom mm-hmm. was hoping to expand the the podcast and, um, asked us if we would be willing to, to jump on to, to kind of, uh, talk about star Wars as Disney plus kicked off. And so that was, that was what we started with. Guys, that's almost two years ago. Yeah. In mm-hmm. fact, I think that's crazy. <laughs> or well, two, wow. That's, two, two years ago. Um, that's when Disney Plus launched. Yeah, last Friday was was yeah. Disney Plus days. So two years ago. Wow. So yeah, that's we have, right. we have wow, been doing this for is... two years. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. So so yeah. So that's why this wow, this episode crazy. is is quite quite the milestone for us because I, I want to say that <laughs> I'd have to go back and look, but I want to say we were in the either the twenties or the thirties in terms yeah. of what episode mm. we started with. So yep. so yeah. So we've been. I mean, definitely 80% of the episodes are, are us. So that's, that's yeah. kind of fun. That's weird. <laughs> okay. Uh, next up is from Jason via email. And he said, I've been a fan of Star Wars since the 80s. Grew up on it and even watched the droids and Ewoks cartoons. I didn't care. It was Star Wars. When I first saw A New Hope, I had just started to learn to read and actually made my parents stay so I could read the credits. I love the new show and listen every week. Here's to a hundred more and then some. May the force be with you. Nice. Thank and you. with your May spirit. The force be with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's that's awesome. Thanks, Jason. Uh, next is from Catherine, also through email, and she said, "Cheers to the secrets of Star Wars on your 100th episode." I'm glad to have found a group of Catholics that enjoy all things Star Wars as much as I do. I found this drink at a local distillery while visiting La Crosse, Wisconsin. I couldn't pass it up. When the waiter served it, he even did his best Mando voice too. God's blessing for 100 more. Catherine. And she sent us a picture of this drink that she got at a distillery. And the title of the drink is This is the Way. And it's spelled W-H-E-Y. <laughs> so, I think it looked delightful, by the way. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> Looks very tasty. Yes. It does. Yeah. Uh, next up is someone from the SQPN network. This is coming from Father Corey. And uh, oh. for those of you who listen to some of our other shows, he is on The Secrets of Star Trek, The Secrets of Star, or The Secrets of Doctor Who, and The Secrets of Technology. So um, he is one of our, our good buddies. And he said, Howdy, Secrets of Star Wars crew. Congratulations on your 100th episode. It's been great to learn more about the Star Wars universe through your discussions. With all the new TV series and movies coming out, what are some stories you would like to see told? Whether Legends or New Canon, I'm sure there are some characters or storylines that would be worth seeing. God bless and hope you have lots more Secrets of Star Wars episodes in your future. So, to answer his question, I'm going to go completely into the past here and i would love to see more knights of the old republic 
mm-hmm. era stuff. So it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be like the Knights of the Republic video game turned into a TV show, even though I would totally watch that. But that era. So not mm-hmm. not the High Republic area era, but like, you know, four or five thousand years before the High Republic area era would be what I would like to see come out. Yeah, I'm I'm torn on this one. Mine are all spacecraft oriented things, but uh, <laughs> I think, you know, the uh, development of hyperdrives, I would mm-hmm. love to see that fleshed out a little more and which it has been in comics and it's, it's it, you know, in the old Legends canon, it was there, but I would love to see that. And then I would love to see uh, a TIE fighter series based on the old TIE fighter game because yes. that game was amazing, yes. Yes. An incredible story. And just to see the tie, the perspective of the TIE fighters, you know, would be really intense. Uh, Father, you took my answer. Um, <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll go back to visions. But since I already said I want, I, I would like to see more Ninth Jedi stuff. I would I would just as much like to see uh, more of the duel. The, the first mm-hmm. episode, I think it'd be cool to follow a character that's like, you know, just collecting Kyber crystals and you know just tearing mm-hmm. through the the Sith like that. Um, and uh, you know, I. Obviously, the Mandalorian has that Western samurai feel, um, but this had such a unique uh, sort of aesthetic um, that I think it would be cool to, even in live action, uh, it would be cool to like see what they could do with with that sort of story. Um, you know, just another like uh, sort of off the beaten path Star Wars story that's uh, that's not so like heavily. That doesn't have like a lot of uh, stakes, you know, in the broader Star Wars canon. But you know, we can just follow this, follow a character like that, and and explore like his sort of world, and and uh, you know, dig deep into that, into that character, um, and uh, you know, and with that, you know, the possibilities are endless. There's no like, uh, it would be cool to, even though we love the fan service, it would be cool to have a show where you're you're not sort of like trying to to balance the fan service with the uh with the narrative um so uh so yeah i think i think that'll be cool to a cool story to explore more literally have this has never crossed my mind once in my whole life until this moment and i just (laughs) it just hit me like my wife and i love you know i I don't really get into like uh detective shows that are really like super you know serious or really heavy you know or, or like like super violent per se but like i i loved always i have loved like monk you know and psych and and like shows that mm-hmm. are you know that are are seriously done but but have a, a a very wonderful like comedic bent to it and i was just thinking i would just love i feel like you could have so much fun with like like a like a like a star wars kind of detective show <laughs> you know where you have like endless possibilities with this this visual vocabulary that's practically infinite between different races and planets and stuff, but there's like some sort of like, you know, mystery that needs to be solved. I don't know. It's completely random. Just popped in my head. I would love someone to do something like that. I would be a huge fan. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Um, yeah. and I know just the Jedi who would be the character to, to be the center of that. Um, but anyways, my answer would be, um, okay. So in a new hope, when, Obi-Wan, here's his name for the first time, Obi-Wan Kenobi. His eyes get really big. Mm-hmm. And I want to see the story behind that. And I hope mm. that we get to see Ooh. it in the Kenobi series. Mm. Um, but I want to understand, like, how it's such a 
a shock for him to hear his name like that, said like that for, I guess, the first time in a long time, as Mm -hmm. he says, or or is he faking it? (laughs) But it really doesn't seem like that the way that Allegheny portrays it, of course. Um, Of course he's alive. (laughs) He's me. (laughs) (laughs) But that just really struck me when I was rewatching to prepare for tonight, Mm -hmm. so... Cool. We have uh, one more email, uh, and this is from Father Ryan McCandless, who actually was a really, is a really good friend of mine. He he and I went to seminary together. So uh, he said, congrats to you all on reaching 100 episodes. Thank you for breaking down Star Wars and sharing the wonderful encounters that you have had with this whole saga. Though I may not have the love of the expanded universe or the legend stuff that you all have, your knowledge in handling this new canon material makes for very interesting and enlightening shows. Um, he has a few comments on a couple different episodes, so I'm just going to go go through those as well. Uh, he said, Angela and Andrew, in discussing the Wookiee's paw, um, so that would have been the, the, the Lego Halloween episode, uh, I am surprised that you didn't cover the idea of Obi-Wan surviving rescuing Princess Leia from the Death Star and still having Luke destroy the Death Star. A funny consideration that R2 discovers Obi-Wan without Luke. All chance. Also, I love the beginning. Terrifying tales with Poe being one of the lead in figures with the lightning. Um, He also um, uh, has a comment on TOB1, and he said... I have to say this Star Wars Visions episode gave me hope that I hadn't felt in a long time. Perhaps it was the the dream of the real, the definite Pinocchio theme, but it produced in me something of the goodness of humanity. In the dialogue of um of Al, it's pretty easy in the I'm not sure what he's uh in the dialogue, it's pretty easy to be pessimistic, nearly nihilistic. Um, in Oh, and in, in the dialogue of an AI, it's pretty easy to be pessimistic, nearly nihilistic in believing that AI will turn on humanity. Yet this grasped at the master droid Smith designing a droid that effectively seeks the good and makes it happen despite the droid being a droid. I am happy that Father picked up on the dead planet coming back to life as TOB1 comes to life. The belly of the whale, the throne in the basement behind walls, the tomb of Christ are all the sign of Jonah and the idea of resurrection. This story really nailed a positive push that hasn't been grounded in our day as much as it can be. And then he also had a comment on tattooing Rhapsody. He said, I was a bit lost in this episode. However, the concept of a rock band enslaved by huts makes sense. What I found interesting <laughs> was that the music felt like a, like a homage to American rock influences that trickled into Japan. It's the positive mm-hmm. cross-cultural growth that Star Wars is good at. My hope is that your show goes well. I'll be praying for you and the continued success of your future episodes. May the Lord be with you and also the Force. Uh, your dear friend, Father Armack. All right. Thank you. So... That concludes the listener feedback section of our of our episode. So thank you to everyone who emailed, everyone who sent in audio clips. Uh, those were quite a quite a bit of fun to to go through and to to discuss here on the show. And uh, we would love to hear more of what you guys think. And um, we'll do other Q and A episodes in the future as well. Those tend to be fun ones to do on like uh, Star Wars Day on May fourth. So. 
uh, definitely stay tuned for, for more of that and uh, keep sending us feedback because we like to hear what you guys are thinking. And um, we do this for you. I mean, we do it for ourselves, too. It's really fun to talk about it. But I mean, really, we're, we're doing this to share it with with you, our listeners. So uh, thank you for for making this uh, 100 episodes. 100th episode milestone uh the success that it is so with that we are going to turn and um a bit more briefly maybe than we had planned but we're going to talk uh about a new hope uh because that was kind of also part of of what we were going to do in this 100th episode so I'm going to start, I think, with giving just the, uh, a real brief summary, and then um, we'll go from there. So for A New Hope, uh, the Imperial forces under orders from cruel Darth Vader hold Princess Leia hostage in their efforts to quell the rebellion against the Galactic Empire. Luke Skywalker, under the guidance of Obi-Wan Kenobi, joins Han Solo, Captain of the Millennium Falcon, with Chewbacca, and they work together with the companionable droid duo R2-D2 and C-3PO to rescue the beautiful princess, help the Rebel Alliance, and restore freedom and justice to a galaxy by destroying the dreaded planet destroyer, the Death Star. So... That is a new hope in a nutshell. <laughs> I, I will tell you, I, I told my kids before we started this, we're trying to watch this as if it was the first time we yeah. ever seen it. And um, they ragged on me the whole time because I can't help myself, but just like <laughs> talk along with the movie. Right. Like, yeah. I'm, like I just say, say what the movie is saying because I know it so well. And, um, and like trying to get in that headspace of uh, nobody's ever seen anything like this before yeah. uh, is so hard because, <laughs> you know, and, and I've I'm, I'm many times mentioned that that's like, oh, this is like that other movie. Oh, this is like that other because <laughs> so many movies have been influenced by uh, Star Wars that it's it's hard mm. to in, in our day and age in our culture that we are raised on all of these movies that are so heavily influenced by Star Wars. To just watch it with a clean set of eyes that's never seen anything like this before. Speaking of that, do you guys remember the first time you ever watched it? No. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> sort of this ubiquitous kind of just like it it and I came up together. You know, I mean, right? So it's, 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 it's older it's older than than well, any of us here, but I I uh I think, unless I'm mistaken, I think, and you know, Thomas, I'm outing you here with it. I think I'm the second oldest here, right? But <laughs> I, I think so. I believe, but I believe I am but, older than you. Yep. But but it, you know, you you basically just grow up. You know, I, I grow up at the, at the time when like it's out of theaters. You know, all three of them are out of theaters freshly with Return of the Jedi. But it's 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 just so ingrained already. You know that. Um, you know, it, it's it's. I, I know exactly what Thomas is saying here. This trying to see it with new eyes, but um, I don't know if because I was I was watching it alone very late at night. That I think I was a little. It was a little easier maybe to do that, you know. And but I, what's funny is I just kept you know remembering ex, like sort of vague experiences. I guess Father, to answer your question of just like being a kid and just like already knowing it so well, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So I know I, I don't remember the first time because I probably was like months old or something and it was on TV or it's just <laughs> like in me, you know. Yeah, that's the same story for me. I I, I have like memories of watching it. Yeah, as a child. Um, like on VHS, but yeah, the first time I saw it, yeah, I was probably, yeah, I was probably a baby. 
my parents were not into sci-fi at all, so I have no idea how I watched it. But that's like <laughs> a majority of my experience as a child seemed to be like that. <laughs> so, um, but I'm the same way. Like I could not tell you the first time I saw this movie. I do know that I had Star Wars toys before I knew what Star Wars was, and so you know I would mm. play with Luke and the Rancor, and I had no idea who they were. But eventually, I figured it out. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would totally echo you guys. I. I mean, ironically enough, I remember The Empire Strikes Back more than I remember A New Hope as a kid, but only because Yoda yeah. creeped yeah. me out. And it, <laughs> oh, right. yeah, it, I didn't, I didn't have I the love relationship with with those movies that I do now. But um, and I, my my dad, this would have been right up his alley to just kind of watch when it came on TV. So I'm I I know mm. that I just caught it whenever it was whenever whenever it was on the TV. Um, but with that, I think I'm going to shift to, um, I have some friends here in town. They're parishioners who, um, it's really been fun because they've never seen Star Wars before at all. And so I've been able to like even suggest to them my, my fun rant and my fun movie order to watch the movies in. (laughs) Um, so, so they actually sat down and watched, uh, a new hope and their nine-year-old daughter, uh, was kind enough to do some quick uh, Q&A stuff with us. So actually, she's she's got that on audio that I'm going to share with you guys, and I think that can prompt us into uh, into a discussion. And so they're they're fairly simple questions, and, and you'll hear them as, as, as they go. Um, her mother asks her the question. So this is Elena, and I promised her she would be famous because she was going to be on the podcast. So <laughs> Elena, yeah. this is, this is for you. Famous. So oh, yeah. So did you like the movie? Yes, I did. I really like it because it was very cool and very intense, mm-hmm. and I liked the battle between good and evil. What was your favorite part? Um, when they flew into the tunnel and shot down the hole, I liked it because it was very intense and they all almost got killed. Who's your favorite character? Luke Skywalker because he is very brave. Mm-hmm. What things did he do that were brave? He helped save Princess Leia and uh, flew into the tunnel and risked his life for many things. Mm-hmm. What lessons did you learn? To always carry a gun with you and to be brave when you're fighting the good fight. Were you scared of Darth Vader? Uh, I was scared of Darth Vader because of his mask and the way how he breathes. What makes Luke Skywalker the hero? Because he risks his life um, uh, to get freedom from the Empire. Is Han Solo a good guy? Half good and half bad. Okay, how's he half bad? Um... (laughs) He just wants everything for himself. Okay. How's he half good? He came back for Luke Skywalker in the end. What do you think will happen next? That Darth Vader will make a stronger and newer empire. Wow. Okay. Mm, right. Do you have another question? Why didn't Chewbacca get a medal? He flew the spaceship. Yes. Thank yes. You. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or any of the other pilots that were with them at the end there, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Definitely the Chewie. Come on. Question people have been asking for 
almost 50 years. Oh my, that book. <laughs> I love that. I love that, that Han Solo is half good, half bad. Yep. He's the one that she took the lesson from, right? Always carry a gun with you. Always carry a gun with yes. you. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, she's going to have to watch the next one now because her prediction was like (laughs) spot on. I don't know if I would have had the same insights as a nine-year-old. I will say this. One of my observations was I I was writing down nitpicky stuff just for fun. Like it's always bothered me my whole life that that very first scene, that iconic scene, the angle, like the pitch of the Star Destroyer doesn't fit the way the... the, the it's like they're it's shooting up. under it. And Why are they yeah, shooting like, under it? That's not... So, and then um, the just the terrible, terrible sort of like marksmanship fundamentals the whole way through it. I, can't, I lost... I was having fun. I just got sidetracked at one point counting how many times all of the main actors were closing their eyes while, while shooting. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. oh, oh, it's so fun. Yeah. Now, but they're, the not, they're not worse side, than the Stormtroopers. No, but have you heard that? You've heard the explanation from the Stormtrooper side, right? They had to let them go. They, oh, they had been told to let them go because they needed to follow that homing beacon. So they couldn't. They, I never the Stormtroopers couldn't shoot them. Ah. Because so, there's always that, that mysterious quote earlier. Obi-Wan is so adamant about how accurate Imperial how accurate. troops are. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Well, they're, they're okay. so accurate that they can make uh, it look like they're shooting at you, but not actually no. hit you. That's so really, they're just, I like that. They're just way more advanced than we ever gave them credit for. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. My so uh, I, I think we'll, we'll kind of frame this uh, discussion uh, a little bit uh, around the hero's journey, because I think that that's, that's maybe the best way to look at, at uh, a Star Wars, a new hope. Um, a uh, couple kind of behind the scenes uh, sorts of things that were happening here is that George Lucas intentionally wrote this story with um, the hero's journey in mind. And in fact, that's most likely why this, this movie has been, it, it's a, it appeals to people of all cultures. And I mean, it's a worldwide success because these um, themes and the, the archetypes and the, the, the characters um, embody this kind of universal uh, theme that that every that every one of us can can relate to um so so that's a really a really cool way to to look through uh to look at this uh this this movie um one of the things before we start on that is i found it interesting that originally he wanted to make a flash gordon movie and that's what mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. prompted i mean he, he it became star wars but uh he wanted to do flash gordon but couldn't uh he didn't have the rights to the character and Queen sung about that. <laughs> Anybody knows. Yep. Queen made the, the theme song for Flash Gordon, the movie that actually did come out for Flash Gordon. And then mm-hmm. in some of their music, they talk about the fact that they don't like Star Wars. And mm-hmm. that is the reason why. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that was Bicycle, most famously. I believe it was. They yeah. don't like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's funny because I absolutely hate Flash Gordon. Like my dad, <laughs> my dad loves it. But I just, it was way too over the top cheesy and I just, oh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Um, so, uh, so to just kind of put into to perspective, I guess the, the hero's journey is, uh, the, the journey that, that Luke Skywalker goes through. And I mean, he's, he's very clearly the, the hero of this and this, uh, this whole idea is coming from, uh, Joseph Campbell, who, who wrote a book, uh, the hero with a thousand faces. And so he kind of outlines uh, some of the some of the standard kind of uh, 
like I said, archetypes and, and, and stuff that, that outlines the hero's journey. So, um, as Luke kind of goes through this, there are a number of kind of, uh, phases that he goes through. Um, and I'll just kind of, I'll kind of list them and, um, kind of, we can, we can talk about them. So there's, uh, the ordinary world. So Luke starts his life kind of as an ordinary farm boy, kind of at the very beginning, he's kind of your, your every man and, and everybody can relate to him. And there is an initial call to adventure for, for the hero. And so this is when the, the hero is faced with an event, conflict, or problem that uh, makes them begin their adventure. And so this would be when R2-D2 uh, reveals the princess in need and um, the whole sequence of, of meeting Obi-Wan and um, Obi-Wan inviting him to, to go with him to Alderaan. And there is the refusal of the call. Luke initially refuses the call. He wants to go back home to, to Anchorhead and uh, or not go back to Anchorhead. He wants to go back home uh, and he, he wants to he can only take uh, Ben as far as Anchorhead. And so I wanted to at least stop there for a moment and, and just kind of talk about that. Uh, I, I feel like this is super familiar to, to probably every single one of us. Right. Um, and I'm thinking in terms of vocation. And and we've talked about mm-hmm. that on the show, too, is like often, you know, when when God calls us somewhere, the initial response is to refuse. And it's often in the refusal that we are led to uh, to going down the road that ultimately God God is calling us to. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the yep. that sounds like a trope, but it's absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, I I wrote down um, what struck me was that Luke said, it's not that I like the Empire, I hate it, but there's nothing that I can do from here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I just felt that was very relatable because there's so many problems that we feel, you know, are in the world and society and our nation, what have you, that um, we feel like, well, it's terrible, but I can't do anything about it. So I'm just going to live my life. Um, but this concept that star Wars brings in is that you, you say yes to your calling and then that will end up connecting with so many other things that, you know, need to be done in order for right to prevail in the end. Um, and another thing that I, um, I wrote down was, that Obi-Wan is kind of like when he, the way that he responds to Luke, when he says that he says, well, you, you must do what you feel is right, of course. And, um, that really struck me as well. Just the, the concept of how do we not just how, how does God, um, work with us in our kind of, um, apprehension, but also how can we help others who, you know, feel like, well, you know, I can't do this thing that you're asking me to do, but I can kind of meet you in the middle. And so, um, I think just always respecting people in that way, um, Mm -hmm. and kind of journeying with them, which Obi-Wan does very much. Um, he doesn't tell Luke what to do. He encourages Luke and he says, Hey, this is, you know, this, this is, seems to be your calling, you know, you, you should follow that. But he doesn't kind of force anything down his throat. So um, those are a couple of things that I I pulled from that whole dynamic. That reveals Obi-Wan as a, as a very wise mentor. Um, I can mm-hmm. very clearly relate to that. When I was uh, in high school and I got confirmed, 
um, uh, Bishop David Ricken uh, pulled me aside after mass and was like, have you ever considered the priesthood and was telling me that the Holy spirit like moved him to say this and, and felt, uh, felt the Holy spirit just wash over him as he confirmed me. And, um, and what was, uh, mm. what was phenomenal about that was, um, I was going to school of minds or I was going to go to the school of minds and technology and study computer science. I wasn't going into the seminary and he, did not at all try to convince me that I needed to go into seminary. He was just incredibly supportive that I was doing what I felt was right. And I mean, you know, hindsight being 2020, like that road led me into seminary <laughs> and, and it makes me wonder mm-hmm, if, mm-hmm. you know, Bishop Ricken, like, you know, had a inkling of that through the spirit, but, but as a mentor, yeah, he didn't, he didn't force it. He just, he let me discover mm-hmm. that on my own, but he was also supportive and and everything. And that's, uh, really, I mean, that's, that's Obi-Wan's role here is, is as, yeah. as the mentor. Well, the importance of discerning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And discerning the best, the, you know, how, how far, how hard to push and what not to. And I heard a priest years ago, I've never been able to verify it, but I, I thought this was fascinating, but a priest told a story years ago that these, these sort of two parallel stories from, from a long time ago where you had a little, like a young altar boy, both stories, same thing. Young young altar boy drops a, a glass cruet during mass and it shatters into a thousand pieces. And in one case, this bishop, you know, uh, the one case, the bishop screamed and yelled at the kid, and just chewed him out, you know, for being reckless, blah, blah, blah. The other one where the bishop, different bishop pulls the kid aside, talks to him and he says, you know, someday you're going to be a bishop just like me. And evidently the second kid ended up being Fulton Sheen. The first mm. kid was Joseph Stalin. <laughs> You know, and so like, you know, the, 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 the contrast of like, you have a kid ostensibly in the very same, maybe setup and how, you know, not to like, have you be completely unable to sleep at night, terrified that like the slightest thing you do wrong is going to screw someone else up for the rest of their life. But we, we do have, if you have that mentor teacher, parent role learning from it, you know, and, um, and I even think too, like, obviously all that we've seen, uh, come up in star Wars recently where they've kind of been filling in this picture. Cause clearly this wasn't really on Lucas's mind in 76, 77, but I was just thinking Obi-Wan is such a wonderful kind of father character to Luke. Mm-hmm. And we know from the broader canon, he wasn't to Anakin mm-hmm. and that, that beautiful, like, you know, not because he didn't want to be or tried to be, but he just couldn't get it right. You know? And then the idea of this character, which I, of course we're excited to see play out in the Obi-Wan series to, you know, like this, what's that journey like for him? Mm-hmm. You know, to to kind of get him to be this mentor who is able to say, look, OK, I used to really, really push Anakin, you know, and Anakin was stubborn and all this. But like Luke's not his father. You know, he's he's a different person. You know, they've got a lot of similarities. And so, I mean, obviously that's not there. Like I said, you know, originally when they're making episode four, but I couldn't help but think of that watching it, mm-hmm. too. Like that contrast. Mm-hmm. It was really neat. My my wife made an interesting uh, confession during watching this movie. And she said, you know, um, we've done so much star Wars lately. I, I never really liked star Wars and um, watching this movie. Now I actually understand why it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, it's, you it's, I think you need uh, in, in some ways you need a lot of that context to kind of fill in like, who yeah. is this guy? What are they doing? Why are they talking <laughs> like this? And, and once you have it, it really does make it mm-hmm. so much more intense that they've built off of what was so, such yeah. a simple story. Mm-hmm. to make such a complex universe that's very interesting and very broad and, and can bring just about everybody in. Yeah. 
uh random note here i it's it's been quite a while since i've seen a new hope before or since i've seen a new hope and um i'm assuming you guys may have picked up this long before i did but when obi-wan uh sees r2d2 uh he has his famous hello there quote Mm -hmm. I never actually connected that that that's where it originated originated from. Hello <laughs> there. I always thought his his run into General Grievous was like the origin of that line. So you know that must have been so fun for you and like he was in the mirror practicing. Uh, well, a lot of people wonder about that too. Like, why you know I don't seem to ever remember owning a droid. You know, it's like well, mm-hmm. originally probably didn't. But then it's like, is he just messing around with, like, I feel like you can just describe everything to just, right. Obi-Wan's well, just messing around with Luke. Right. <laughs> no, but also, like, know. R2-D2 was owned by Anakin. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, I didn't own him. <laughs> like, you know? he's telling the truth, but just not saying everything. From a certain could, point right. of view. <laughs> right. <laughs> like right. when he says, your father wanted you to have this, <sighs> you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I stole it from him, when I left him to die on a lava planet. <laughs> <laughs> like, not that, not that detail. uh so so the next uh part in the the hero's journey is is once he's uh met his met the mentor and and refused the call initial initially um there is a a part where he has to cross the threshold into heading off onto the adventure um and so i want to spend a little bit of time here first because um this is the 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 crucial point here is that luke returns home um and discovers that his aunt and uncle are, are killed by the empire and so and this follows a number of events. They he Luke goes with Obi Wan to to Mos Eisley and the Cantina, and meets Han and Han and Chewbacca, um, and they you know head out on the adventure, so to speak, as they um, head out on their journey. Um, but there's a number of of really cool things to point out, and the first one that I wanted to point out was um, that when Luke arrives home and sees his aunt and uncle dead. Um, John Williams does this amazing thing with the DACRA, mm-hmm. which is yes. the mm-hmm. ancient Christian hymn um, yeah. about the second coming of Christ and Judgment Day. And it's um, often played at, at funerals and it's played um, often in the liturgy heading up to the end of the liturgical year. So it's mm-hmm. it's a song relating about uh, it's a song of death, if you want to call it that. Um, so it's really and Gregory the Great, correct? I he's, think he, he's credited with yeah, with or creditor yep, with it. Yep. Um, yeah. and, wow. and just to kind of point out that the DAC array, um, there's a really cool YouTube video on this, but it shows up in all sorts of modern movies, um, in death right. scenes. Yes. Um, for example, it's in the Lion King. It's in, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. It's in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It's in Jurassic park. It's in groundhog day. So exorcist uses yeah. it too a little bit. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> so, so that was that's a, that's so a cool. fun thing to point out. And the other highly debated topic here is uh, in the cantina scene. And I imagine you guys know where I'm going with this, but this is the uh, scene with Han and Greedo. And so I'm going to throw this question out to you guys. Who really shot first? Does anyone dispute this? Oh, yeah. This is not yet. Han shot first. Of course. (laughs) I literally jumped out of my seat when I saw Solo, and he just blasts Woody Harrelson out of nowhere. I was like, oh! I'm like, 
<laughs> I'm so like, cause it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a scoundrel thing to do. It's not like, um, and I'm so sorry. Who was the, the young lady who, who, who asked or who was giving her commentary Elena. There from the first time I was seeing it. Elena, Elena, <laughs> Elena got it right. Right. Hans 50% good yeah. and 50% yeah. bad, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's, you know, it's a, what a pirate would do, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. shoot first. And so, yeah, I, I never really got the whole necessity to really. That whole scene is so great, though, with him sitting there, like, picking at the wall while he's uh, reaching for his gun. You know, the complete distraction game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And so to to ruin it by having Greedo shoot first was, ah, that was a bad idea. That was just, yeah. Well, and and to give give maybe our (laughs) listeners a bit of context, if you've only seen the, like, the special edition or the Disney Plus, you won't, won't necessarily be aware of this, but... In the original version of A New Hope, Han shoots Greedo first before Greedo fires at Han in the cantina scene. And then with the special editions that came out in the 90s, uh, George Lucas tried to reverse that, trying to, I think, make Han not so bad, but it actually does a disservice to his growth over the entirety Mm -hmm. of the movie. Mm -hmm. And so the the special editions, um, Greedo shoots first. And it looks really weird because they had to do this CGI kind of stuff to to make it work. They've improved it, Mm -hmm. I've noticed. Well, and then the Disney Plus one, it makes it look like they shoot at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, they've shortened it a little. Yeah. So... Because you guys remember, yeah, I mean, I, I vividly remember, like, it was such a weird, like, shifting of his head originally. (laughs) That's That seems a little less now. Right. You know, putting it into context as far as the timeline. So when George originally made this, he wasn't a dad. And then in the Mm -hmm. 90s, he had Mm -hmm. become a father. So maybe that kind of swayed him to try to clean it up a little bit (laughs) for his kids. I don't know. I mean, it it, it does reveal Han Solo as a bit of a, you know, cold-blooded, I mean, killer in a a certain sense. If he's just going to shoot first and ask questions later. Um, you know, but, but I think that that's, that's why like his turnaround at the end of the movie has more emotional impact when like, you know, Mm -hmm. that at the beginning of this movie, he was all about himself, all about, you know, just about the credits and didn't care about anybody else. And the fact that he is able to change that at the end of the movie, um, I think just speaks to, to the growth that, that he went through. I I have to point out something here that I noticed too, that was really cool and about Obi-Wan. Um, and I love that they went back and and flesh this out more in the prequels that he's he hangs out in seedy places mm-hmm. and so like when he's going to the Moss Eisley Cantina this is not his first time no. it's not because he <laughs> yeah. he has heard that there are pilots there oh no mm-hmm. no no <laughs> these people know who Obi-Wan is right <laughs> and almost no one is faced when he cuts off someone's arm with his lightsaber yeah. so we can assume that this has probably happened before <laughs> right yeah because otherwise it'd be kind of like I mean, how often would they have seen a Jedi at that point? Right, you know, right. Those particular people. Mm-hmm. So, no, yeah. this is this is totally his hangout spot. The same way that you know he's got the diner contact uh, yeah. in, the, in the prequels, yep. right? Yep. That's th- this is this is the kind of person that Obi Wan is. He's not a Jedi who's going to be hanging out in the temple and uh, be completely removed from society. In fact, so much so that he's going to go find the seedy place and hang out yeah. with people because. That's where you make the good contacts. <laughs> well, even even when he goes into that, that you know, the uh, galactic sports bar, I love every time I see episode two, I laugh so hard. He's just like, where are you going, master? He's like, 
for a drink. It's like the most <laughs> obvious thing. He's like, where do you think I'm going? Go find her. I'm, I'm busy. It was, it's, it's, it's so good. Well, and to He's maybe, mingling. to maybe uh, flip this a little bit too and, and make him uh, a little bit more uh, heroic is he was also <laughs> protecting Luke. So part oh, yeah. of part of the reason even to go to, to the Moss Eisley Cantina would be to keep his ear to the ground on, you know, if he, that that's where you would hear if there's, you know, new people in, in on the planet or if, you know, we're searching out the, the long lost son of Anakin Skywalker that right. you would hear it there first. And so he would be able to to plan and to react rather than just um, being caught off guard. So. What I noticed was Luke asked for a drink and I'm like, whose tab are you taking that on? Like, clearly <laughs> yeah. you've never been here before. <laughs> so he never pays for his drink. They That's just what leave. that big blue light when you walk in is. It's a scanner. It just like, you it's know, the, you, you, the, as soon as you walk in, you open up a tab. It's, it's the uh, the Amazon uh, grocery store equivalent yeah. of in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> there you go. Well, the only credits you see pass is Han passing the 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 guy those like extra credits after he's mm-hmm. shot Greedo and made a mess, right? Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um also just to point out uh it was really fun to be able to watch A New Hope with some of the extra TV shows in mind. So like all the the Mandalorian references. So like to know mm-hmm. that this cantina is the one that shows up in the Mandalorian. Um mm-hmm. you know and the whole uh in A New Hope the the droids are are not welcome in the cantina. But by the time that you see it in the Mandalorian TV show, the droids are running the Candina. It's run by a droid. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so some of those things were fun. Or at the very beginning, you see a, a crate dragon skeleton. Mm-hmm. And we finally see one of those in live action in, uh, in the Mandalorian. Well, and did you guys hear what I was talking about when, when, cause I, I know I droned on about that a little bit, but the <laughs> noise that, uh, that Obi-Wan makes when he first appears is the yes. same noise that they used for mm-hmm. the crate dragon coming yeah. in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, which is totally intentional. He was he was making that call to scare mm-hmm. off the the Tuscan Raiders, the, the exactly. sand people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, you know, it all it all connects. Um. So the the next part of uh, the hero's journey is um. Just there's there's more conflict. There's um an ordeal, and there's there's tests, and there's you know allies and enemies, and this leads into the the whole central conflict of, um, Luke um, and Obi Wan arriving at the place where Alderaan should be. And, um, of course it's not there. Luke has been training, uh, before that in, in the millennium Falcon with the, the training, the remote droid. Um, and then that leads into the, the central conflict, which all happens, um, on board, uh, the death star. So that's, you know, where, where Luke and, and Han go and rescue princess Leia and, um, Obi-Wan goes to, to shut down the tractor beam once they're captured. And then of course the, the duel between uh, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. You know, I found myself like emotional after Obi-Wan dies watching, trying to watch like I was watching for the first time. Um, But of course, like you're saying, I had all this extra context, right? And I kind of like, I saw the look in, in Luke's eyes, this like anger, this feeling of like, being alone, being just having everything taken from him, you know, and I, I connected that to his father, of course. Um, but just the concept that I had never really made that connection, that emotional psychological connection between the two of those characters before that Luke also kind of had that feeling of like everything 
has been taken away from me like obi-wan was his connection to his father and that he wanted to know so so much about and now that's gone too and his family that he knows is gone um and so yeah i just i i found it interesting that ultimately you know we see how angry he gets but then he chooses to be the more you know positive optimistic type of of person rather than Anakin and how he became very jealous and um just very controlling and you know different and i think it's important too to note that luke had a bad upbringing and and we get two indications of that early on um first off when they're sitting at the table and he gets upset and leaves and then uh Beru says to Owen oh he's got too much of his father in him and and the immediate response is that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Right. And and when you first watch the movie, you know, you don't really know the whole context of that. But he's worried about this kid going dark and like killing everybody. And so he's been treating like that's that's the first thing that's on uh this the only father figure that Luke's had's mine. And then the other thing we get is when he's talking about the you know, Luke better have those droids back by by noon or there'll be hell to pay. And it's like, what what does that mean? Like yeah. what what's going to happen? Are you going to make him pay for not having those droids back in time? Cause that's really kind of the conclusion that you can come to. So his life with, uh, as much as he's like, I want, I'm going to go back there because that's what I know. And that's what I'm comfortable with. I don't feel like going off on this crazy adventure. That's still not a great life to be going back to for sure. Um, I think we should also mention, uh, princess Leia in, in this context too, because <laughs> I think that she is one of the, um, I mean, she's one of my favorite characters, but I mean, she is not your typical damsel in distress in, you know, the hero's, <laughs> the hero's journey here. Uh, you know, I think Carrie Fisher was doing an, uh, an interview and she said she is in distress, but just, you know, not, not in a different manner than, than what, you know, is kind of typically thought of. Uh, in fact, there is a, um, a documentary on Disney Plus called Empire of Dreams, a story of the Star Wars trilogy. If you watch that, there's some really great uh, interviews with with the cast and everything. And so um, that's what I was I was just watching that earlier this afternoon. But, um, you know, I just wanted to point out that, I mean, Princess Leia's character is she is a very strong uh independent woman and and it's really cool to to, to see that um play out in in the star wars universe and um we see and she's completely built of sass <laughs> the, the the sass coming off of her in this uh in this uh show is so great like aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper that's the first thing you say to a stormtrooper walking into yourself like what <laughs> you came and in that thing you're you braver than that i thought like, yeah. and he's just like nice get this big walking carpet out of my way and uh it was you think about it yeah i mean she's she's also she's luke's sister Mm -hmm. and luke kind of has that sort of edge to him also but really ultimately they're anakin's kids i mean come on you know like of course (laughs) she's gonna be sassy It was fun to hear a little bit of the behind the scenes of of her and uh peter cushing who is uh grand moff tarkin and like she is supposed to go to Grand Moff Tarkin and say, you know, I, I recognized your foul stench when you, you know, when I was brought on board or, uh-huh. you know, however she frames it. And <laughs> in some of the, the behind the scenes that I was I was reading, um, you know, Peter Cushing is this like big name actor. 
and she's like mm-hmm. a no-name person that has to go up to him and say this thing and she was like and he smelled like lavender and and i forget how else she framed it but it was like <laughs> <laughs> she had to like say that in a yeah in this very condescending <laughs> manner and he was just super kind and and worked with her on it so there was some fun well, uh, pieces there and I just love that that sass because I, I just it just popped in my head. I, I love that line with her in, in uh, um, Last Jedi. You know, when she looks at three PO at the beginning, wipe that nervous expression off your face. <laughs> like this is this idea of this like forty year relationship with this frustrating, annoying droid who doesn't have expressions. You know, <laughs> but but he does. You know, but but the, you see the seeds of that. That was fun too. Seeing kind of her arc. You know, like the end in the beginning, you know, as they say, in a sense. And, and that was just that was a fun aspect of it this time around, I thought, too. Well, you have to admire Anthony Daniels, too. You know, talking about 3PO and, and yeah. the, the amount of emotion that he was able to convey yeah. with that mask on. Yeah, is incredible. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys, I'm sure a lot of you I just read his um, the biography or his autobiography. You know, I am C-3PO that he released maybe a year or two ago. And that's that's a great insight into a lot of this too so i I had this is the first time i'd seen a new hope since reading that and he spends a lot of time talking about the all the behind the scenes stuff you know and and how hard that was for him (laughs) you know yeah yeah in one of the interviews he was saying that he he framed his his voice and his characterization characterization of of c-3po as a um a nervous butler, I think, is how he framed it. <laughs> because as as a protocol droid, C three PO is basically a, a butler, and then just add like nervousness on top of everything, and that's <laughs> that's C three PO's character. Say that, like the the pitch of his arms was meant to sort of almost like he almost acted like he was carrying a tray, <laughs> kind of or something like that. You, I you can know? see it. Yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, it's a move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out here too, was just the, the emotional strength of Leia's character because she, I mean, Mm. she witnesses the full evil of the empire when Tarkin destroys Alderaan without, I mean, even though she tried to give up a location of the rebel base, you know, to, to a degree, um, Tarkin just destroyed her planet anyway. And she was still, I mean, devastated by that loss, but able to still be, the leader that that she was called to. So, I mean, even she has her own bit of a, a hero's journey in this in this as well. Um, this uh, ultimately, though, does lead to the the final climax of of the entire movie, of course, which is the attack on the the Death Star and the the you know they bring the the rebel or they bring the Death Star plans back to the rebellion and they are able to um you know attack the death star and uh destroy it facing kind of the the final test and luke is able to do this by successfully using the force um with uh obi-wan's guidance and and han solo's uh appropriate rescue as well yeah i i was trying to kind of put the pieces together with han um and his journey because i mean we definitely see how he gets roped into this whole situation um, unwillingly. But then at the same time, um, in the hangar, when he tells Luke, may the force be with you, it's kind of like, you know that emoji where it's just like two eyes kind of looking to the side? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I sort of, you know, thought of that one because uh, you, you kind of wonder like, why is he saying that? You know, because he talked about hokey religions and mm-hmm. stuff before. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you know, it almost, I think he's upset when Luke says, take care of yourself. That's what you're good at, you know? And, and when he's saying goodbye to Luke, he says goodbye. And, and he's, he also says, may the force be with you. And, and it's the way he delivered it, which was very good. I was almost wondering how many takes did they have to do on this? And when did they decide that that was the one to go with? Um, but he he could have delivered that line in a way that was sarcastic, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. Um, he has kind of like a smile on his face, but it's not that like, ha ha, I'm laughing at you kind of smile. It's a smile of just kind of that, that Han, good old Han smile. So it makes you wonder what's going on in his mind at that at that point. I would like to know more. I think a lot of that has to do with the, um, I mean, his experience up until that point. He just, I mean, he met, he met Luke and Obi-Wan in the Moss Eisley Cantina, but I mean, I, you know, their escape from the Death Star and the talk of hokey religions, uh, but then it, it kind of proves to be true that, I mean, the only way that you could successfully do what they did and, and everything, um, you know, implies that there's something else there. Although they did let them escape because they used the the Millennium Falcon as a as a um they tracked the Millennium Falcon back to back to Yavin for uh you know, but still it was the relationships that were that are forming there with Obi Wan, with Luke, um, even with Princess Leia, you know, they're they're I, I think they're they're the ones who make Han recognize that there's something bigger uh than just himself. And bravo to J.J. Abrams, by the way, for the detail or if, I don't know, if, if Kasdan's idea or who, whose idea it was to specifically have Harrison Ford standing in like the same place on the ship in Force Awakens. Then when he delivers that little speech about how mm-hmm. it's all true and mm-hmm. it would not have worked if he had been in any other place in the galaxy than that exact spot. I always thought that was a really good detail. Yeah, I think actually now that you bring that up, that's probably the moment when it's acknowledged in canon that um han solo believes in the force right right yeah i i would say he accepts the force yeah yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't push it so far as to say he believes in it right (laughs) right i think that's what's great about his character is that he's uh you know he he's a man that knows what he knows and Mm -hmm. And he's comfortable making up lies about everything else. <laughs> but what he risks coming back at the end, I think, is is definitely the, the key here is that, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's I mean, we see this play out in the next movie is that, I mean, he's he's risking Java, Java's wrath by even sticking around the rebellion. And he does choose to do mm-hmm. that. So he's I mean, he's finally at, at the end of the movie to a point where he's putting the needs of of the rebellion and, and his friends over his own his own life mm-hmm. for for what, three years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, the, you know, before he's like, I really have to go pay off Java. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's significant. You think you do that first and then uh, go back to the rebellion. Yeah. But. You know. Yeah, what did he do with his reward money? Did, I never thought about that until now. Like, didn't he have enough to pay off Jabba at the end of episode four? I wonder True. if that's 
at least explained a little bit in the in in the Empire Strikes Back. I don't quite remember. Like he bought he bought everybody drinks at the Masasi <laughs> Temple, or he's like you know double or nothing. Like oh, it's God. not really ever explained. Yeah, it, it, and like we and the next time we see him, they're on another planet. Mm-hmm. It, right. But yeah. the Millennium Falcon's broken enough that he can't get it off the ground, and that's right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he just bought bought uh, bad parts for the Millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. and that's what he used all his money for. Um, so then the the end of the uh, the movie is kind of the the resolution and and the uh, the award ceremony, um, and Han and Luke both get medals, and and Chewbacca is unfortunately just kind of ignored. <laughs> so because he's an alien. As much as they want to say they're better than the Empire. Right. <laughs> Those rebels. It's so strange, though, because in all of the subsequent canonical material, Wookiees are like warriors, and and especially mm-hmm. Chewbacca is kind of acknowledged as like this war hero and stuff, you know, um, outside of, you know, the, the Death Star and everything um just from his own planet so yeah that is glaringly strange (laughs) yeah i mean i'm gonna sideways canon it and say that wookies don't accept medals (laughs) there you go and and just that's that's what it is maybe she didn't need a medal (laughs) right i mean i i think in 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 all fairness it was just a misstep in the writing you know it uh, it, (laughs) we're not we're not we're not really saying that Chewbacca isn't a hero. It's just, you know, that was, that wasn't. It was going to be way too hard for her to reach up and put the metal on. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe anyway, he's allergic you know. to gold. There you go. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, 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 will, I will say that one thing that bothered me watching it this time was that I've seen so many parody things like uh, yes. the Bad, the bad Lip Reading songs, uh, yep. the Arl Knotts uh, version of the, yep. the, the throne room scene without any sound uh that that's all i could think about about half the time was like you know a song would pop into my head because i it's like mm-hmm. oh no <laughs> i randomly imagine boss nass holding up the you know electro ball <laughs> you know like why would you do that to me brain like i know it doesn't make sense it's not a whatever you know like <laughs> oh very good um is there anything else that you guys wanted to bring up uh regarding the new hope the only note i had was what <laughs> i i was very distracted more than ever before and i've been distracted before <laughs> by this but general tags haircut <laughs> just <laughs> i just don't I, it just bothers me and god forgive me you know, de- details. Uh, um, but then the, just, no, the, the one thing that was just kind of cool, this is sort of a side note, but um, I just happened upon recently, like so people should check it out, but there is some very interesting and a lot of it, YouTube content um, that you can go and check out because Peter Cushing and uh, Christopher Lee were like lifelong best friends. Uh, and I, I lost count. I mean, I think it would be, it would be, you'd probably save time by listing the movies they weren't in together. You know, mm-hmm. they were kind of like, you know, you think of uh, like Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson being in like, <laughs> like there was a joke they made years ago that they, they only appear in movies together, <laughs> kind of that sort of thing. But that was kind of cool. Cause there was some, some really neat scenes from like the sixties and seventies. I was watching where someone had commented in the comment thread. It was just kind of funny. It was like, I knew that Dooku and Tarkin met, <laughs> you know, and that was just kind of a, a neat little, you know, they, they, they didn't have any screen time of course, together in star Wars, but I thought that mm-hmm. was, that was just kind of a neat thing. They both got to eventually share in that together. 
I would say for me, this is the first time I've watched it in HD. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, HD tends to take the luster off of movies in a way uh, and make you feel like you're really there, which is a great thing sometimes and not always and a not great so thing much. other times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, my, my wife calls it the Hallmark effect because you feel like you're watching a Hallmark movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> whenever whenever you get into that uh, boat. And so but but I will say, like, the sets held up really well. Yeah. Uh, it It felt like you were there, but it felt like you were on a starship not that you were on a stage and mm-hmm. even some modern even some of the marvel movies uh you know when 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 you first get that hd effect going on them you're like whoa i feel like i'm on a on a set and the actors are you know acting on a set not really in the movie but this mm-hmm. felt real it felt like it felt lived in which is you know that's yep. the thing that star wars was so good at mm-hmm. and uh it wasn't a big uh you know galaxy shattering or, or removal from the uh, the ability to suspend belief right uh, mm-hmm. you can tell that the sets were made in the 70s <laughs> you know but they weren't terrible and that was that's no. that's i think what is so great about star wars is that even from the very earliest point uh they were really good at the craftsmanship yeah so whenever i revisit the the original trilogy i always watch my bootleg version of the theatrical releases you know since and i mean it's really easy to get i mean there's a lot of play if you just google it you could you can buy like a blu-ray of the the theatrical editions um because as we know they haven't released those um you know in in retail uh unless you have saved your vhs copy from i want to say that they were released in the 1990s like because i have dvds those are still not yeah those are still not like 100 percent really when the actual release yeah because okay, mm-hmm. i i do have they my copies have some of those. george lucas okay. uh messing around with it um but yeah <laughs> if you want the authentic like this is what everyone saw in 77 on the screen uh there are versions unofficial versions out there that you could get um so you can see where han shot first and uh you can see uh, like the like the actual like puppetry and and not like the the thrown in CGI that George Lucas put in there. Um, so yeah, so to Thomas's point, you it's it's technically HD, but it still has like that that film grain and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it it still has like that that uh that that sort of feel of a of of what it was a, a late seventies uh, sci fi movie. So um, I highly recommend if you can get your hands on it. Uh, to watch to watch those versions of it um uh because like when I, like when i forced my wife to watch them uh <laughs> in a loving way when we were dating um yeah i i told her she has to watch it she has to watch this version um and uh so that yeah that's the version i i if if i introduce anyone to star wars i i, I let them watch my copy of that uh so they get the real experience so um yeah if if you're wondering or if you've only seen it through the lens of disney plus or you know uh your your dad's dvd collection um i highly recommend watching the the theatrical releases i think for me just the last thing um that i'll i'll add is that i was struck by Again, that line of Obi-Wan saying, if you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can even imagine. And um, I, 
it got me thinking about the communion of saints actually mm-hmm. and just how um how kind of upside down god turns everything that god turned death upside down and just the the idea of how hope the virtue of hope that you know we we believe in once we die that you know i i've been i've been thinking about the saints a lot recently i've been doing work on particularly saint um elizabeth of the trinity and how she when she was near her death as many amazing saints uh did told their friends call on me after i die and Mm -hmm. um and I just think of, you know, Obi-Wan basically doing the same thing, like knowing that he could be a mentor, he could be a guide after he died and that he would be even more powerful in a way. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was just I was really thinking about that um, this time around. And I guess us recording this in November helped with that, too, because that's been on our minds as mm-hmm. as a people of faith recently. So. Uh, the only other thing that I would throw out there and um, is just that uh, we often like to talk about the music. And so, you know, the, the music in here is um, absolutely phenomenal. And John Williams, of course, did a, a great job with it. And I mean, to the point where like I other movies, um, you know, are almost kind of looking at Star Wars as kind of the the model of, of what you can do with with some of the music and the scores and stuff. So uh definitely the the music is 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 absolutely phenomenal and one of the soundtracks that i will continue to go back to for 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 years to come so i think that will conclude our discussion and uh thanks for thanks for hanging with us to the end um listeners out there and we definitely do want to hear what you thought of a new hope um whether it was your first time watching it or your 100th time watching it uh we'd love to hear uh your take on it and your thoughts and you can let us know in various ways. You can email us um, any feedback at starwars at sqpn.com. And you can comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia. And you can follow us and um, tweet at us at sqpn on Twitter. And we would like to take a moment now to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including Scott E., Anthony M., David G, Rick A, and Christina T. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows here at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, if you are interested in, in getting any of the Secrets of Star Wars swag, that includes coffee mugs, stickers, magnets, t-shirts that encapsulates our philosophy of finding hope in a galaxy far, far away, you can do so by visiting our website at sqpn.com slash merch. Uh, you can't see this, but uh, Mike Creevy is actually uh, sporting his uh, t-shirt as we, as we record. So um, be sure to <laughs> check it out and get your own uh, for yourself. And, of course, make sure that you are subscribed to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, your favorite podcast player, so you don't miss a single episode. And you can also find us on the SQPN YouTube channel. Just make sure to hit that bell to receive notifications for new episodes. And you can find all of our previous episodes by going to sqpn.com slash Star Wars. 
And we will be back next week as we will dive back into Star Wars Visions into the seventh episode titled The Elder. So until next time, Ronan, thanks for sharing and thanks for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. It was a pleasure to be here. Mudhorn, thanks for joining us this evening. Here's to 100 more. Old Ben, glad to have you with us as well. I don't really know what else to say other than thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And Ben do thank you as well for joining us. It's been a pleasure. And once again, I am Father Fett. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest.